Good morning and welcome to everybody. Let's start the meeting because we are already running a little bit late. So we excuse ourselves in advance if we want to be able. Excuse ourselves in advance if we want to be able to keep our promise and finish in time at 11:45. We may go a little bit further on, but we will try to keep five minutes so that you go to lunch in time. So here with us today, uh, there are three orators. The first one is Miss Felicia Matz from uh, AmeriCorps. Uh, she's an AmeriCorps member and from belonging to California, Safe Corps of uh, the Red Cross. And with her, um, a colleague, Miss Kimberly Kim, that has the same qualifications. That's to, that's to say from the AmeriCorps member, California Safe Corps, Red Cross. Um, the third uh, guest, not in order of importance, of course, but just because we are in the list. Save the best for last, right? Yes, okay. last but not least. Miss <laughs> Angela Kaufman. Um, she belongs to the ADA Compliance uh, Membership of Coordination. Department of Disability of the City Hall of Los Angeles. Okay? So let's start immediately because okay. we have a lot to do. So good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So you know we passed out a little evaluation test. The reason we do this is for our grant. We need to know what you already know about being prepared for an earthquake. So there's a 10 uh, questions and we'd like you to circle or if you're reading in Braille, you have your stylus, punch the correct answer. There's only one answer, so be sure to read all the questions. Sometimes there's an answer that instead of saying A, B, uh, and D, for example, they might all be right. So always finish with the last one because that one might say A, B, and D. So you don't want to press A, B, and D. You want to press the last one that says that A, B, and D are the correct answer. So please go ahead and it shouldn't take you too long. It's only 10 questions. Fill out the questionnaire. And do that now? Do that right now. We're going to do that before the presentation. Yes, you read it. It's in large print. Keep reading it down so that you can't see it. Would you like us to read it? Would you like us to yeah. Okay, okay, okay we'll, read, we'll read the questions out loud, and then you can answer the one we want. The first question, we're going to read the first question and follow along. First page. First page, we'll read it out loud. This is our disaster evaluation. Number one, which of the following should be in an emergency supply kit? And you turn to the next page. Next page. A, food. B, water. C, flashlight. D, candles. E, A, B, and C, which is food, water, flashlight. So pick the right answer for question number one. Well, let me repeat. What should be in an emergency supplies kit. A, food, B, water, C, flashlight, D, candles, E, food, water, and a flashlight. So you click the right one. E says A, B, and C, but I just repeated it. Okay? 
punch or circle the correct answer. Okay, okay, make a hole. That's perfect with a pen. Are we ready for question two now? Okay, two. What should be included in your family emergency plan? A, phone number for out-of-town contact. B, evacuation routes. C, emergency meeting places. D, all of the above. Okay, don't yell out the answer. Just, uh, just circle the one you think is right or punch. Are we ready for question three? Yes. What step should owners take when preparing their pets for emergencies? A, assemble an emergency supplies kit. <coughs> B, talk to your pets about disaster. <laughs> C, show your pets pictures of a disaster. D, practice transporting them to the nearest American Red Cross shelter. So... Did everybody get that? A, assemble an emergency supplies kit. B, talk to your pets about disasters. C, show your pets pictures of a disaster. D, practice transporting them to the nearest Red Cross shelter. Pick the one best answer. C, report serious situations. 
to the federal government. Rest of this. So we're going to... 
Okay, did everybody finish their tests now? Great, so everyone's written their, those of you that can write your name, please write your name and put the number one next to your name so we know it's yours, and then we'll be collecting them a little bit later. So we're here to talk about disasters, right? So why do you think we should talk about disasters? Any, anybody want to venture and answer that question? Why should we talk about disasters? Yes. That's right. And do things happen in Los Angeles? Yes. All right. Does anybody remember the last big earthquake that we had here? What happened? Right. And that was the Northridge earthquake? Were, do you remember what happened during the Northridge earthquake? What were, some of the, what were some of the things that happened to our infrastructure, to the roads and stuff like that? That's right. It buckled. Do you remember people's homes collapsed, shelters opened, all of that? So that's why we're here to talk about disasters, because when a disaster happens, there's no, there's no warning for it. There's no warning for an earthquake. So because there's no warning for it, we all have to be prepared. And so it's great that you're all here, because that shows that you're taking that step to being prepared. And so I want to congratulate all of you for coming here and spending your time with us today to be prepared. So what, we sh what should we be prepared for? We talked a little bit about that. We should be prepared for roads and freeways that buckle. We should be prepared for power outages. We should be prepared for limited communication, road closures, a lack of clean water, and a delay in help. Do you remember how bad the delay in help was recently in New Orleans? Yeah. Yes. So, well, when there's a major catastrophe, there's going to be a delay in help. And the reason for that is that, is that um, the police and fire department are overwhelmed with looking at, at going to the biggest places where there's a disaster, the big apartment buildings. They won't go to the small houses. So we all have to take steps to be prepared because of that delay in help. Um, and so the, there's good news, though, about all of this, and that is that you all can be ready. And we're going to show you how you can be ready for uh, an earthquake or any other type of disaster. So there's... You don't have to sit and be helpless waiting for a disaster to strike. You can get started by having a kit, making a plan, and being informed. And right now we're going to talk about having a kit. Having an earthquake kit is really important. There are two types of kits that you should have. One is called a personal grab-and-go kit. The other is a family supply kit. The personal grab-and-go kit is basically a small kit that you have by the door, and you should have one in your car and one in your workplace as well. We recommend it. But it's basically something that you can grab quickly if you need to evacuate that has a three-day supply of the things that you need, and we'll go into that. And the family supply kit is a larger kit that can have, we suggest having two weeks of supplies, but realistically, most people can't do that. If you have one week of supplies, that's great because usually you can go through your refrigerator and your cupboards and get things out of that to support that kit, and then you have two weeks, basically. So let's talk about the kit. Emergency supplies. These are the four things that you really need in an emergency supply kit. You need water, and we recommend one gallon of per, per person per day for water. The reason for that is, is that you need water to survive. You need drinking water, and you need a little bit of water for sanitation as well. 
So water is a, is a very important thing. Food is also very important. When you put together your earthquake kit, the food that you have in it should be non-perishable. It should be things you like. And it should be something, examples of the types of food that you should have, maybe some protein bars, some, some soups, things, um, beef jerky, things like that, things that don't, don't go bad that you can keep in your kit. And light. And what? Light, possibly. Yes, yes, we're going to get into that. Mm-hmm. So food should be there. Also, nuts are good. And if you have canned food in your, in your kit, be sure to include a can opener. You don't want to have canned food and not have a can opener. So be sure that you have a can opener. And nuts are a really good idea because they give you energy and protein. Um, on a side note, this is kind of a funny thing, I'll tell you. In my kit, I also have chocolate and I have a bottle of wine because I know that if a disaster happens, I'm going to want to have a little glass of wine. So that makes me feel happy inside that I know that there's a bottle of wine in my earthquake kit. So think of things that you like that will make you comfortable and happy for food. You also need a first aid kit in your, in your earthquake kit, and that should include any medications you take. And even a, better, with your documents, this kind of goes into the medications part, a prescription. You know, you might want to, your medications might be low, or if you forgot to look at them recently, they may be expired, so you want to have your prescription in there as well. So ask your, for your doctor. You can, your doctor can give you samples of prescriptions if, you, if it's a little bit hard for you to pay for your prescriptions. Maybe you can get some free samples and put that in your kit. So those are the most vital things to get in your kit. Water, food, first aid kit, and medications. And then we also recommend in the larger kit um, to have other things too. This is in your big kit. Flashlight, even though um, some of you might not be able to see, a flashlight is good for shining if you are caught somewhere underneath something. It'll help first responders see you. So having a flashlight is important. A radio is important to have in your kit as well because a radio, with a radio, you can find out um, what the authorities have to say about uh, street closures, shelter openings, things like that. And we'll get into which stations you can find that information from later. Batteries are important. Extra batteries for your flashlight, which you should keep outside the flashlight, but maybe taped up next to the flashlight are all put in a Ziploc bag because you don't want the, the batteries corroding in your flashlight. The other thing to have in your kit, and this are important papers. We talked about um, your prescriptions. That's important. Perhaps a passport or, or a visa. If you're from another country, you want to have copies of those. Um, you also want to have contact information. Those of the, the, the people that are close to you, your, your relatives. So many of us just have our relatives on our, on our cell phones on speed dial. You need to have it written out in case you don't remember the numbers. And that contact information should also include your local fire department, um, your local police department. You might want to know where the nearest hospital is, that sort of thing. Cash is also very important. 
In the event of an earthquake, ATM machines, electricity might be down. You might not be able to access ATM machines. Anywhere from $20 to $200, whatever makes you comfortable. And also include with your cash a roll of quarters so you can make phone calls should you need to. That's important. For how many? We have to think about a period of how many days? A period of, of, of for the cash? <laughs> for the cash, we, you know, think, think a week, two weeks about that. It depends, you know. Whatever makes you comfortable. Do you want to add yeah, something? This is Angela. Just so you know, you want it, You don't want to keep large bills. Yes, I was Because in the event there's an emergency, the ATMs don't work, which means where you go to a store to buy something, you might be limited on how much you can buy to make sure everybody can purchase some things. And they don't have to give you change by law because they're not going to be able to have it. So if you only have a $100 bill, that bottle of water can cost you $100. So have $5, $10 bills. $1 bills, yes. Yeah, I was going to get into that. Another thing you want to have in your kit is if pet supplies. You want to think about your pets. So you want to have food for them and water for them and their leash and maybe a toy for them because they get stressed out just like you do. And so some treats for them. All of the things that your pet usually has. I also, I don't have pets anymore, but unfortunately they passed away. But there's a product that I like. It's called Box Flower Remedies, and it's an anti-stress drops. It's homeopathic. That They have it for people and they have it for pets. And the, the only difference is the one with the, the pets doesn't have the alcohol in it. But it helps. You can, for if you're a person, you take it under your tongue or you put it in your water. If you're a pet, you put it on their ears. And it's natural flower remedies. So that's just a personal note that I'm putting in there. It's good. Um, next, that's for your major kit, all of those things. I'll go over it again. So water, food, first aid kit, medications, flashlight, radio, batteries, important papers, contact information, cash in small denominations, and all of your pet supplies. Okay. Does anybody, has anybody thought of anything they might like to add or something? Yes. Yeah, there's a problem here because, like, that I have uh, discovered with a lot of people that have been in major, major uh, emergency. Yes. A lot of times they can't get to these items. And also, you know, they say that if you have a purse, and you can keep a lot of these things, of small things like that in your purse, too. That's one of the things that be very close to you also. Right. So uh, that was one of the questions I wanted to bring That's up. a good question uh, that you brought up. Uh, some people have talked to me about that, that they can't get to the emergency kits. Okay. So, um, and and they, they learn, you know, if they got their purse on you, if you're mm -hmm. woman, that is, um, you know, uh, if you can't keep some of the small items like that, you can get your rainy ice and store a lot right. of stuff. There, you can even get a little tiny, small emergency kit there. Right. You know, uh, I mean, not emergency kit, you know, like uh, first aid kit. Right. Well, that's why when, when I brought up the kits at first, if you remember, I said a personal grab-and-go kit. Uh -huh. That just has the basics, your, uh, some food, water, and, and a and uh, your medications and a first aid kit. The bigger one, and maybe the bigger one has more food, more water, um, your papers, and all of those things. 
So, and where you want to keep them is important too. The personal grab-and-go kit you want to keep next to your door, some, where you can get to it easily. And your bigger kit, you can put that, you know, in like a, maybe a, a plastic tub kind of thing and put that somewhere close to your door, somewhere where there aren't things that can fall on top of it so that you can get to it easily. So that's important. Yeah, you have to have it in a, in a spot where you can access it. And, and um, one other thing that I was told, especially with this last um, emergency that happened in, um, what's that, that country? Um, Haiti. Haiti, yes. They learned that if you have something, you sure can let people know it because they kill you for it. Well. So this, this is, these are some things I, I'm bringing up that I've gotten directly from people that have been in some major, major earthquakes. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, if I ever go to, to any well, the most important thing and the reason we're here is so that we can share this information with you, and then it's your responsibility as good citizens to share that information <coughs> with others. So we have some we have some tear sheets you can share with others after the presentation who can who can see and and we also have extra copies of our information that you can share with those who who are visually impaired. So we're going to move on to um, the next thing. Um, in the family supply kit, um, there should be two weeks of supplies, um, a change of clothes some hygiene items, some toys and games. Hygiene items being a toothbrush, soap, things like that. Paper as well? Paper, you could put paper in there, but the, the basics would be a change of clothes because you want to be sure you have some extra clothes in there and you want to be sure that you can freshen up if you want, if you'll probably want to. And we suggest toys and games if you have children to keep them occupied. It helps relieve their stress. And your, your, huh? What? Absolutely. What? Oh, yes, absolutely. You definitely want that. You don't want to have that funky smell if you're <laughs> stuck at home. So um, a good idea is for, if for adults is also to have a deck of cards, maybe a good book. I have a book in my kit that's about called Bad Trips, and it's the short stories by people who've traveled to places and had awful times so that I can read that and laugh. So something, something good to keep you occupied. That's important. Yeah, that, anything, anything that makes you feel comfortable. So those are the things you should have. All right. The next kit that you should have is called the By the Bed Mini Kit. And that's a little something that you should have right next to your bed. And that would include sturdy shoes, uh, an extra cane, and a flashlight. And glasses, if you wear dark glasses, that should be in your kit too. And what you should do with this is you should have your extra cane tied to your headboard so you can access <coughs> it, and your shoes and glasses and flashlight wrapped in a little plastic bag that you tie to your bedpost, either on the floor if you have the, the thing, so that when there, there's an earthquake and things are shaking, your bag is tied to the post. You won't lose it. You can access it quickly. You can, and the reason you want to have sturdy shoes is you don't want to be looking for them, especially if there's glass on the ground. If pitchers fall and glass breaks, you don't want to cut up your feet. So you want to be sure to have some sturdy shoes. 
in that bag with your flashlight and your cane next to you and your, your glasses if you wear glasses. So that's really important, the by-the-bed mini kit. And that's something you can do tonight, and I, I recommend that you do that tonight. So we've all gone over getting the kit. Does anybody have any questions or anything that they want to address? I have a question. Oh, I have a question connected with the fact that uh, as for the big kit, yes. people might have a problem seeing, let's say, that they have to move to, to carry okay. them along. Is there a solution for... A good idea for the big kit, and uh, yeah, that's a good idea. A rolling duffel bag. It's lightweight. You can roll it. You don't have to lift it. That's a good idea to put... You can get one cheap downtown or one of the stores in Koreatown or something. A rolling duffel bag is an excellent way to put... method of storage to put your kit together in. Yes, sir? Yeah, um, it would be a good idea to... Uh do it for your information. Yes, you wanted to say something. Your turn, ma'am. The water, one gallon per person, for how many days? Per day. Well, we recommend, the Red Cross recommends two weeks. Three days. Three days, at least. Mm -hmm. At least three days. If you can put together more water, that's even better. Mm -hmm. But definitely at least three days. Okay. Well, the Red Cross does that. We sell kits, too. So you can contact us for a kit. It, it is, we, we put together great kits, but it's all, it is less expensive if you put together your own. And the Red Cross kit doesn't have, doesn't have the kind of foods that you would like. It has those, those high-protein bars that actually taste like cardboard, I've been told. So you probably uh, wouldn't like that too much. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next section, and Kimberly is going to get you all prepared with making a plan. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, um, how many of you actually have an emergency plan? Raise your hand. Yes? Okay, so do you know how many places you, uh, meeting places you should have? Two, yes, good job. All right. Okay, Um, so basically, step one of making a plan is to talk. We all know we love to talk, right? (laughs) Um, You want to talk to family, friends, and neighbors, um, and also 
Do a realistic assessment of your abilities and need. If you had to evacuate through a window, could you do it? Um, are there other ways to get out if um, that one evacuation is blocked? Um, so these are all questions that you need to ask yourself as you make a plan. Um, and, you know, it's kind of fun to do, uh, to discuss it with your friends and say, what if, uh, what if you were, um, the, the only thing open was the balcony? Or what if there was a fire and where would you go out? So talk about things like that. Um, if you do have a physical disability, um, and you're in a wheelchair, it's best if there is a balcony, it's best if you come out to the balcony and start waving your hands so that the firefighters will know that you are there. Um, also, okay, so number one is to talk, to discuss with your friends, and number two is plan. So in this step, you want to have an out-of-state contact, um, someone that you can call because when there is a big disaster, all the local lines will be way too busy and just overloaded. So your best bet to get in touch with someone will be an out-of-state contact. Um, so have that number ready and available. And like we, like we already discussed, you want two places to meet as well as two evacuation routes. Um, so... Yeah, if you want to, if you like to draw things, you can draw out your plan. Um, yeah, and so for those two meeting places, um, one should be near your home in case you need to evacuate from a fire. Something near, not too far, um, and easily accessible again. Um, your second meeting place should be outside your neighborhood in case there's a larger disaster that affects the whole area and you don't want to be in the area when there's a larger disaster, right? <laughs> okay, um, also, if you have a service animal, um, include them in your plans. Make sure your dog has a triangle, triangular metal tag issued by the city um, and that he's clearly identified as a service dog. Um, the reason for this is that Red Cross shelters can't accept any animals except service animals. Um, so you want to be sure you can bring them with you. If you have pets that aren't service animals, the Red Cross shelters cannot um, service them. So um, make sure you find a pet-friendly hotel or a place where you can um, put your pet if they're not service animals um, in case of a disaster. Any questions about that? You said a triangle. I don't know about a triangle. They have tags on them. The dogs already have tags, but I don't know about a triangle. Um, what you have? Can I see the, what you have on your dog? What's there's, your dog's name? There's a uh, round tag on them that identifies. Yeah, this is this the one that you have on your dog is issued by the guide dogs for the blind, which is fine. The city of LA and the county animal services, you can also self-certify the state of California. There's a law. So some dogs, other than guide dogs, other kinds of service animals don't require that kind of tag that the guide dogs for the blind give out. So I could self-train my dog to be a service animal for me for a physical disability if I needed. And I can self-certify that dog through the city or the county. 
that it's actually a service dog and we'll give you a specialized tag that shows that. So guide dogs for the mind a little bit different because they usually are tagged a bit better. Okay. Any other questions? All right. Is, if you're upstairs, you're second floor, is it a good idea to buy those little drop-down ladders? Yes, that is a great idea. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a wonderful idea. Yep. Um, and make sure also uh, step three in making a plan is to practice it. Um, hopefully that ladder is sturdy enough and you want to practice it. Um, and it's also, you know, consider it good exercise. You're getting, uh, walking around, <laughs> um, getting some fresh air outside. Um, and make sure you know what to do um, in the different cases of an, either an earthquake or a fire drill. Um, what would you do during an earthquake? If you are in bed during an earthquake, any, do you know what do you do? Yeah, stay in bed. Great. You guys already know everything. Why are we here? <laughs> yes. So, um, so if you're in bed during an earthquake, you stay in bed and you cover yourself with your sheets and you want to put your pillow over your head and neck so that you have maximum protection over your head and neck. And make sure there's nothing around your bed that can fall on you. Like um, a pig picture, you don't want that over your bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. That's why yeah. you cover yourself. Mm-hmm. That's why. That's why you cover yourself. Mm-hmm. So make sure you have blankets that will cover your. You can cover yourself with. Um, okay. I have another question. Um, do you want to stand under the doorway when an earthquake happens? No. No. Very good. That is, um, you don't want to do that. We recommend that the best thing to do is get under something that's sturdy, like a table, um, and then cover your head and neck, and then hold on to the table <laughs> so it doesn't move, you know, from over you. That's the main reason why you wouldn't go under the door, because we were always told to go under the door and then to change. Yes. Um, yes. Yes, it's the door that swings back and forth, and actually the, the, the frame of the door is not very strong, not as strong as you think it is, um, um, and, and there's not enough surface area over your head to protect you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so any other questions about making a plan? Yes, yes over there. Okay, that's why you want two different evacuation routes. Um, if you don't have that option, hmm. Yes. This is, this is Angela. <laughs> if your evacuation route is blocked, again, that's why you have this plan so that when you're not at that meeting place, the people that are part of your support system know that you're not there and they're going to try and get some people to come and get you. That's part of the community emergency response team training and that's what we really want you to do with your plan is to have that prepared ahead of time. If you're not there, who's going to make sure that you get out? Okay. Another question. Joey? 
It's another thing. So what I did was when I moved to my apartment, uh, we had a, a meeting with the tenant. So I introduced myself and let everyone know my building that I was blind. Yes. yes. That's great. We did the yeah, that's taking a great, the great step. Mm -hmm. We did the same thing with the apartment manager. So now when we have an earthquake, the apartment manager will come around to the different rooms of the people that have any kind mm -hmm. of disability and make sure that they're fine. You know, even if it's a slight that's earthquake. A so mm -hmm. they kind of have that little routine. So that's right. Perfect. Mm -hmm. That's what part of making a plan is, is informing your, your, the people closest to you, your neighbors, your apartment manager, so that they know if you don't show up in that place, like Angela said, that they know to look for you or have someone else look for you who's, if, if the apartment is in, you know, a dangerous spot, then, then the fire department some, can come in and check for you. Yes, you yes another, sir? Do you have another question? Yes. Yes. What happens if you live all by yourself out of the house. Well, you have neighbors, don't you? You have other houses next door? Well, some of them have, some of them do, some of them don't. This is all family. Well, you should introduce yourself to your neighbors, sir. <laughs> it, it's great to have good, good, you know, communication with your neighbors. It's important. And most people are good people, and they'll be happy to assist you. Besides the resistance that we were talking about. Yes. Contacts. And besides, there's your list of contacts. That's right. There's your list of <coughs> contacts, so you can contact the police department or the fire department. And in fact, it's a good idea to contact the fire department and police department ahead of time and let them know where you live. No, you don't have that. You don't have that. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about, about what the, the city's going to do so you actually understand where you fall within what's going on as the city responds. The, you, right now, the city doesn't have a registry. But again, you want to make sure that your plan is inclusive all around, whether you live alone, whether you have roommates, where you have a personal care attendant living with you, whatever it might be, you have to develop your personal plan to be safe. In the event you have a pitfall like the gentleman at the back where he doesn't have anybody that he trusts, lives in a bad neighborhood, again, your plan has to expand out. You have to troubleshoot your barriers because we have four plus million people in the city, 10 million during the day. There's no way you're gonna get food in 911 to say, I'm stuck, come and help me. Okay, it's, it's just not gonna happen. I'll be perfectly honest with you. You have to be personally prepared, okay? Police and fire are going after fire life safety. Number one critical response are people who are dying <coughs> and, and the fires that are going to cause secondary Sir, death. would you mind, the lady wants to go a little bit on and then we will we'll pick your question. Okay, okay. okay thank, thank you. you. Okay, so now we've talked about two of the three things <coughs> and that was getting a kit and making a plan. Now we're going to talk about being informed. This is, this is an important section as well. Being informed. Well, right now you're doing it. You're getting this information. And thank you so much for being here again. And this is the first step towards being prepared, is being informed. So we encourage you to not just be informed here, but to take that one step further. And that is to know your risks. There are a lot of risks in Los Angeles besides earthquakes. We have earthquakes, we have residential fires, we have, there's always a possibility for floods too in some neighborhoods, wildfires. 
There's even a possibility for a tsunami. Where I live in Venice, there's a tsunami evacuation zone. Um, we have mudslides, exactly. We have heat waves occasionally, and there could be a pandemic flu. So being informed means just being aware of these risks. Having, a, having an earthquake kit can, can be helpful for, for many of these other risks as well. So what you're learning today is not only for earthquakes, but can be useful in other situations as well. So, and you need to learn how to take precautions for, for these other risks. If you live near the ocean and there's a risk for a tsunami, find out what you can do, what, you know, if there's, a, if there's an evacuation that's planned, know how to evacuate. That can, be, that can be part of your plan as well. You know, apply what you've learned here today for other risks as well.